Who here has ever played the video game Fortnite? Lift them up high. Come on, I know kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about Minecraft? How about any kind of video game ever in your life? There you go, there you go. Uh, Video games are super popular right now. And the thing that I see a lot of kids do that kind of blew my mind the first time I saw this was kids watching other kids or people on YouTube playing video games. They're not playing, they're watching others play video games. How many of you have ever gone onto like YouTube and watched someone else play a video game? Yeah, it's like, why would you do that? And I look at my kids, and it's like, why would you go and watch someone else play video games? And then as adults, we go into our living room and turn on HGTV and watch Chip and Joanna Gaines or the Property Brothers like remodel someone else's house, and we're watching them how to do it. And it's like, Maybe this is the same thing, right? <laughs> like the reality is like we all want to watch others and learn and grow and, and we are all um, watching others. My question for you is who are you watching? Who are you following on Instagram or, or YouTube or TikTok or wherever? And the question is for our kids and adults today is who are you becoming? Who are you watching? Who is influencing you? We're in this series called Jesus Followers saying... All of us follow somebody, something, different people, but as followers of Jesus, we want to be watching him. We want to be learning how to live from him. We've been saying, kind of our, our theme verse for right now is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. It says, this is Jesus talking. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find Rest for your souls. How good does that sound? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You said Jesus, he's both teacher and Lord. That's what we learned last week. And Jesus, like many rabbis of his day, he had both a yoke and apprentices. In Hebrew, that word is talmudim. Let's all say that word again together. Talmudim. Talmudim. There you go. It's usually translated as disciple, but we said we can also translate it as someone like an apprentice. If you were a Talmudim of a rabbi, you would follow your rabbi. You'd want to become just like him. The way he, he ate, the way he spoke, the way he dressed. They would say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And, and, and Jesus has followers as well. But he also has a yoke, like, which is a system of teaching. But following Jesus doesn't work as just a hobby. This doesn't mean that you have to become like a missionary or a pastor or start some kind of nonprofit on this side. But the focal point of your life is to be an apprentice of Jesus. It's not something we just add on while we're following all these other people. It's saying, you know, this is the focal point of our life. And the invitation of Jesus to become an apprentice, not just a Christian. So I think in our nation so often we throw that word around Christian, you know, Christian music, a Christian, you know, bookstore, you know, well, I'm a Christian because I vote a certain way. But that word Christian is actually only used three times in the New Testament. The word Talmudim, disciple, apprentice, is used 268 times in the New Testament. So we said we don't want to just kind of use this word Christian. We want to be followers of Jesus. We want to be apprentices of Jesus. And here's the thing. This won't just happen. It's not just going to happen by accident. We have to put in the practices. And so we said by being a Talmudim, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, it's to organize our life around these three basic goals. Number one, to be with Jesus. We talked about that last week. In John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Yesterday, my family went, went on a, a drive out west at Dassel, Cocado, Delano area uh, to an apple orchard. It's beautiful. I, I know m- many of you were outside yesterday. We drove by a vineyard out there. And I was pointing out, I'm like, see, there's that, the trellises and that we talk about. This is kind of the spiritual practices we're going to be talking about that we, we build our lives around. And you saw the vine, and that's Jesus that we're plugged into, and then the branches. And if they're not on those trellises, if they're not plugged into the vine, they can't bear fruit. So we need to be with Jesus. We need to be connected to Jesus. And the way we do that is through being aware of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. This week we're going to talk about we want to become like Jesus. Become like Jesus. And the next week, we want to do what he would do if he was us. If he was an executive at Polaris, how would he respond? If he was running a theater company, how would he do that? If he was a stay-at-home mom, how would he you know, manage Facebook and Instagram and love his kids and, and all those areas? The goal of being an apprentice of Jesus is transformation. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Apostle Paul writes this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The goal is transformation. As we dive in today, would you just join me in a word of prayer? Jesus, I thank you. You are both our teacher and Lord. You invite us to be with you, to abide in you, to be connected to you to know you, and to become like you. So, Jesus, I just pray that today, for those who are watching online, in the room, uh, from the littlest baby up to the oldest adult, God, that we would just know that we could become like you, that transformation is possible. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Today we're going to be talking about transformation. Uh, kind of the insider spiritual lingo for transformation, sometimes it's called spiritual formation. Sometimes it's called sanctification. Here's what Dallas Willard, an amazing Christian author, he writes this. Spiritual formation in the Christian tradition is a process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus as we walk in the easy yoke of discipleship with Jesus, our teacher. It's this process of becoming more like Jesus. But actually, spiritual formation isn't just a Christian thing. It's a human thing. See, we are all being shaped into something. We are all being formed. The reality is we are all disciples of something, depending on what kind of social media we ingest, what kind of talk radio we listen to, the books we read, the people we hang out with. We are all apprentices of someone or something. So the question is, who or what are you an apprentice of? Who is shaping your life? What are you being formed into? For the last several months, I've just been on this journey of spiritual formation and, and, and coming from a place of dryness and trying to find health and vitality. And uh, one of the spiritual teachers that I, I just really got into, if you've been around me, I've been talking a lot, uh, John Mark Comer, I, I gave his book recommendation a couple weeks ago, um, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, he leads a church out in Portland called Bridgetown Church. And uh, I'm going to share some things, actually, that they did, like, this lecture on spiritual formation. So today's actually going to be a little bit more of a lecture, less of a sermon. But I want to cover two things they talked about and then wrap that up, wrap that up um, how we can apply that. And so first, they have these two great charts. And they talk about with spiritual formation. There's really two ways we go about this. Number one is an unintentional spiritual formation. I think we got that slide. Unintentional spiritual formation. You can leave that up there. Um, this is what I think a lot of us approach life as. And, and, and as we see this back here, um, these things kind of shape us. And, and number one, uh, we see the stories we believe. This is kind of like the culture that we live in. 
That, you know, in Minnesota, that, you know, we need to be nice to people, but maybe talk about them behind their back. Uh, you know, that you never leave right away. You have to linger at the door for 10 minutes. You know, the Minnesota goodbyes. You know, you never put your paper plate, you know, up. You have to flip it down in the garbage. Am I right? These are kind of the stories we believe in Minnesota Midwest. Um, we're also shaped by our habits. You know, what we do on a regular basis, we become. You know, do you go to Caribou or Starbucks? You know, do you, do you work on a regular basis? How do you eat? The things we do do something to us. I have a bad habit of loving caffeine. Anyone else uh, addicted? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on this. Um, so coffee sometimes, sometimes coffee gives me a headache. And so uh, I am a big fan, and I know this is terrible, of Red Bull. Anyone else? Yeah, Matt, I know you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this is bad for me. I know I should not be drinking Red Bull like I had one this morning, uh, but it's a habit, and I like it. And these kind of habits, they shape us. John Mark Comer says it this way. He says, what you love shapes you far more than what you know. I know intellectually it is terrible to start my day with a Red Bull, but I like it, and I can't wake up without it. And that, those things shape us far more than just what we know. Our habits shape our loves and our longings, just kind of the rhythms of our lives. We also see our relationships really form us. We become like the people that we hang out with. Whether those people are at work or home or family, those people shape us. And all of this happens in an environment. We, we become like the place we call home. The, 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 the suburbs, maybe for many of us, the Midwest. You know, where do you spend your home online? You know, your Instagram community, YouTube, Facebook, whatever that might be. We are shaped by our environments. How many of you, if we're going to play a kid's game outside, we're going to play duck, duck, what's the next word? Right. Anyone say goose? Goose. You weren't born here, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then you haven't been shaped fully. But if you grew up in Minnesota, you know it's duck, duck, gray duck. Everyone else, all 49 states are wrong. I don't know why they say goose. It doesn't make any sense. But our environment shape us. The fact is that all these factors, they collaborate to shape us. This happens over time and through experiences. The reality is all that you and I have to do is wake up tomorrow and we are being shaped. You don't have to do anything. Your environment, Minnesota, uh, the suburbs, just kind of who you are with, where you work, where you you spend time on social media. You know, social media, there's so many bad things about it. I'm on it. But all the social media platforms have all these logarithms to keep us in kind of this echo chamber that, that when we respond to certain things, they push content out to, to reinforce our own assumptions. And so what happens is so, so often on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever that might be, they are pushing content that just reinforces what we already believe and we're being shaped by what we're reading online, where we're spending time with, and we don't have to be intentional about it. It's just happening to us. So the question is, as apprentices of Jesus, how do we counter that? How do we counter the influences of, of, of being online and the people we're with that are just shaping us in everyday life? Well, before we get into that, I just want to call out two myths about spiritual formation that I think many of us grew up believing, kind of depending on maybe if you grew up in church, what kind of church? If you grew up maybe in a Baptist, E-free, um, you know, a very grounded Bible church, what you might have heard either explicitly or implicitly, this message that all you really need to do is know the Bible. To be formed into Christ, all you really need to do is know the Bible. The reality is a lot of evangelicalism is built on information transfer. 
Really, the reality of churches in the last 50 years has really changed to make the sermon the center of the whole experience and just information download. But the reality is I think that's flawed. If that was true, then I could just, eat, I could just read a book on healthy eating and then from then on out, I just eat healthy. I, you know, I'd only eat vegetables and never drink Red Bull again or sugar. You know, we could just read a book on anxiety and be like, okay, I'm never going to worry again. If all we needed was information, then we could just read a book and that would just change our lives forever. But knowing something isn't the same as doing it, amen? And isn't even the same as wanting to do it. That's even much better. John Mark Comer says it this week, we can't think our way to Christ-likeness. We can't just think our way to Christ-likeness. Information alone does not equal transformation. Information alone does not equal transformation. So often I think we make this assumption that the more you know the Bible, the more you can become like Jesus. That might happen. That is not guaranteed to happen. And in 19 years of pastoring, I've seen so often that is not the case. People have gone to church maybe for 20 years. They've read their Bible a couple times a week. And the reality is they're no more like Jesus than they were 20 years ago. The second myth is you don't need to do anything. It's all God. Maybe you grew up in like a a John Piper, very reformed tradition, and just says, hey, just let go and let God. How many have heard that phrase? Let go and let God. That is so bad. (laughs) How many remember the movie The Matrix? It's kind of old now. But in the Matrix, there were these humans, and they were in this artificial environment. But the cool thing about that was that if you needed to like, learn how to kung fu fight or like, to, to drive a helicopter, it's like, I need to download on this. And they, just, you know, they download the information, and now I know kung fu. Now I know how to drive a helicopter. And I think sometimes we approach spiritual formation like this. It's like, Jesus, my kids are driving me crazy. Right now, they, they won't sit still. I need a download of your patience. It's like, boom. And okay, good. Now I've got perfect patience, right? Or like you're struggling with fear and anxiety. It's like, Jesus, give me a download of your peace. It's like, boom. Awesome. Like, wouldn't that be amazing if that worked that way? If Jesus could just like download the program into your head? But the reality is that's not the way we are designed. Change is a joint effort between you and God. God has a part to play and you have a part to play. And some of you are getting really nervous about that depending on your theological tradition, but if that makes you nervous, I love this Dallas Willard quote. He says, grace isn't opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. See, through Jesus' death on the cross, we don't have to earn anything. We have have a free gift of salvation. Jesus has accomplished it all on the cross. That is the message of the gospel. We don't have to earn it, but Jesus asks us to put some effort in to be his disciples, to become like him. I'm going to call it my son, Joshua. Joshua's been taking piano lessons for, what, two years now, buddy? Joshua is learning and growing. And I really try to make him practice piano almost every day. Um, I don't make him practice piano to earn my love. Like, he already has my love. I love him. But my love alone won't make him into a rock star, okay? (laughs) Like, that won't be enough. He has a part to play to become the man God's created him to be. And I'm going to speak that into existence. I believe that someday Josh will be up here playing music, doing worship. But he has to put some practice in. He has to put some effort in. My love alone won't make him a great musician, won't allow him to be a worship leader up here in just a couple years. All I'd say, we have to partner with God. So what does that mean? We can't just rely on 
unintentional spiritual formation, just letting our culture around us form us. And so we need to move into intentional spiritual formation. What does that look like? Number one, teaching. Good teaching shapes us. Romans 12.1, the Apostle Paul writes this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Good teaching shows us the reality of the gospel, that we don't have to earn it, that it is a free gift from God, but now we live in the reality of this new kingdom, and now we have a part to play as we learn to walk with Jesus, to change how we're living, to become more like Christ. The second thing is, is the practices, the spiritual practices. In Jesus' teaching, he assumes it's going to take a lifetime of practice in community with others to become like him. And it's not about trying really hard. It's about training, about training to become like our rabbi. See, what would happen if I sat Joshua down and, and, and pulled out Mozart's, you know, Requiem in D minor in front of him? Josh, play this music. Now, Josh has been growing and learning, but he can't play Mozart, right? And I said, no, try really hard, Josh. What would happen? He still couldn't play it. What if I laid hands on him and prayed for him? He still couldn't do it. Maybe a miracle would happen, but the next time he wanted to play Mozart, he needed another miracle. The reality is, he, he, how is he going to learn how to play Mozart? He has to practice every day. And eventually, over time, as Joshua practices, he will become the kind of person that, he, that can play Mozart. As he puts in that time, see, it's not that Josh can't play Mozart. It's that he can't play Mozart yet. See, that's what the practices of Jesus are like. It, it's to learn to help us to live like he lived. It's going to take time. And see, the things we do, they do something to us. When we learn to live in the way that Jesus did, they do something to us on a spiritual, mental level. It's not just about changing our habits. They actually do change us. On July 1st, I've shared this. Man, I hit a wall. I, I had this experience. I was just on the ground, and I was just done. I was spiritually worn out. I was just burned out. This season has been so hard. Maybe, like me, you've hit a wall. And these last couple months, I've said, I have to change the way I live because if I play things forward at 50, 60, 70, I don't like that trajectory. And so as I started walking in some of the ways of Jesus, practicing Sabbath, trying my best to not work from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, one of the things I've been doing is I've been setting an alarm on my phone when I'm at the office, it's 10 minutes of silence and solitude, no music, just sitting there, not even doing a whole lot of praying, but just being with Jesus, you know, being in his word and, 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 and prayer, not researching a sermon, but just to be, to learn, to, to be with Jesus. And, and as we walk in these practices, they change us, not just our habits, they really get down into us. The third thing that really shapes us in intentional spiritual formation is our community. The people we make a decision to follow Jesus with. See, you can't follow Jesus alone. Jesus had disciples, not a disciple. You can't live out all the New Testament commandments, all the one another's by yourself. You have to be in community with others. 
you have to be in community with others to bear one another's burdens, to show hospitality, to, to love and care, to pray for one another. You can't do those alone. We can't follow Jesus alone. We have to have community. Community does two really things for us. Number one, exposure, and number two, encouragement. I know some of you have been recently married in the last five, eight years. What I love about seeing people get married is you have these two wonderful people, and not long into their marriage, they're usually, one or both of them realize, I'm a horrible person. How many of you had that experience? Because maybe you have this beautiful mirror now named Jenny who's showing you all your faults and, you know, all the ways that you're selfish. And you're like, oh, man. It's not that you're a worse person now after getting married. You just have this person who's holding up a mirror to show you who you really are. Then you have kids, maybe, and you realize, wow, I am really selfish and want my own time and my own space and don't touch me again, you know? That's what community does. It exposes us to who we really are, but community also brings out the best in us. Good community is saying, man, I'm so impressed how the Holy Spirit's been working in your life and and you have been growing and you're not the same person as you were two years ago and, and that's amazing. Good biblical community should expose us to who we really are and how we can grow as well as encourage our hearts. We're kicking off uh, our home groups here in just a couple weeks, and you can sign up for those on our website, mymosaicchurch.com. And I want to really encourage you. I know we are all tired. Man, we're broken. Can I be honest? Pastoral honesty here, like super honest. As we were preparing this, I was like, I don't think we're going to do a small group because I'm, I'm, I can't handle it. And if that's where you are, that's totally okay. I get it. But I, I realize, you know, where I am, like, I, I think I do need some community and, and this regular rhythm. And... Honestly, like, I'm kind of tired, but I'm like, I think this is going to be good for me. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you need to take some time off. That's totally okay. But I want you to pray about it at least. We are going to have three in-person groups for those who are comfortable meeting in a home with eight to ten others. But also we're going to have two online groups. that You can just, you know, put the kids to bed or whatever in front of a movie, log on to Zoom, and just have some people you're doing life with to check in and say, how are your spiritual practices doing? How are you being formed and shaped by, by t- teaching and community and, and, and your spiritual practices? Are you growing in Christ? And the end result is that the Holy Spirit, not our environment, becomes the dominant influence in our lives. More than our city, more than our phone, more than our political parties, more than the people we work with. That's the baseline for spiritual transformation. The reality is there's no silver bullet. There's no magical program. There's no killer app. There's no online discipleship program. If you go through these six videos, you know, on mosaic.com, then you're going to be just like Jesus. That's not how it works. I wish it did. The reality is it's going to take decades to become like Jesus. See, as we go through the hard knocks of life, Jesus is going to use those to change us and transform us. As we wrap up, the question is, is transformation possible? What if you've been through a divorce? What if your dad abused you? What if you're a type A difficult personality and everyone is just bothered by you? Is transformation possible? Yes, but it's not inevitable. It won't just happen. You can't just come to church once or twice a month, open your Bible once or twice a week, And then in 20 years, bam, you look just like Mother Teresa or Billy Graham or fill in the blank. 
If you want to experience change and transformation, it takes a lifetime of intentional practice of walking in the way of Jesus in community with others around you. That is the only way that change happens. As we end here today, I just want to ask you a question. Who are you becoming? If you plotted the trajectory of your life, do you see Jesus expressed through your personality, your gender, your social economic status? Or do you see someone else? I know that's a heavy question. But again, a couple weeks ago, I looked ahead at myself at 50, 60, 70. I was like, man, I see someone who's going to get bitter at people. I see someone who's just going to get burned out and jaded. I need to change how I live as a pastor, as a father, as a person to find health. So that when I do look ahead 20 years, hopefully I do see Jesus. I want to encourage you, you can change. You can get rid of, out of healthy patterns of relationships. You can experience transformation. But we have to sit at the feet of Jesus, our rabbi, and say, have your way with me. Change and transform me. Would you stand? Our house groups are kicking off a couple weeks. I encourage you sign up for one of those. We're also, in a couple weeks, we're going to be starting this thing where we talked about, like, a Mosaic Midweek. Uh, I'll be recording a, a separate video, different from our Sunday teaching, and uploading that to YouTube. And I want to encourage you to watch those, maybe with a spouse or a roommate or a friend, or just get a couple people together. And this fall, really, we want to be focusing on those practices of Jesus. And this is something I'm on a journey of. Uh, you know, I, I've been reading, you know, Haley Ruth Barton, uh, Dallas Willard, uh, John Mark Comer, uh, Eugene Peterson, um, a lot of these wonderful, wise men and women that really help us form, again, these kind of this trellis, if you look, think of it that way, these practices that really can be uh, the foundation that we build our spiritual life around as we are plugged into the vine, Jesus, and that allows us to bear that fruit. But again, this is going to be something we have to do with intention in community. My hope and prayer is that as a community, in in spite of all the uncertainty, we are spurring each other on to become more like Jesus, intentionally walking in those ways. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing with walking like Jesus, becoming like him, being shaped with him? Are you abiding in him? Are you letting the Holy Spirit be the dominant influence in your life, not your culture, not your phone, not social media, all those things? And I believe God will shape and change us and transform us. It won't just happen by accident, but as a community, if we are intentional, I believe we're going to see families changed, growing together in Christ. This week, may you know that Jesus loves you so much that he invites you to follow him and he believes that you can change, but it's going to take you partnering with him. Have a great week. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next Sunday.